Hi, everyone. Welcome to Murders in Paradise. I am Jen, joined as always by Jaredad. Good evening. <laughs> Good evening, Jaredad. We're drinking champagne and eating Cheez-Its. Yeah, it's a, not a bad combination. <laughs> High class evening. Right. Cheez-Its are a special favorite of mine. I think these Cheez-Its were given to us when we had our Robert Mueller voodoo altar party. <laughs> And uh, everyone had to bring an offering for the altar. And uh, one of our friends, Cody, he brought a bag of Cheetos and a box of Cheez-Its. <laughs> <laughs> I think these are those Cheez-Its. So uh, anything you want to talk about before we talk about murder? No, I'm good. I'm, I'm like too stunned by the thought of more murder to uh, have any, any interesting thoughts right now. I mean, actually... I'm wrapped. Not a murder. What? This week. What? Mm. I know. I've got to mix it up on you. We do an unsolved. We do a solved. We do a wasn't actually murdered in Key West. Now we have not actually a murder, but a very interesting case. I mean, it's murder in paradise. I know. Are we going to add an asterisk? (laughs) Maybe we need to. Mostly. (laughs) Well, there's still some criminality and definitely immorality in this story. That is not a good title. Immorality in paradise (laughs) i mean there's so much like we'd be able to do this podcast until we're dead it's the industry is immorality so uh but you'll be able to relate to at least the early life of carl tonsler the guy that we're talking about this week very interesting okay so for those of you who don't know gr dad though now an american citizen is german also born in germany still a german citizen correct uh immigrated to the u.s became a citizen a couple years ago we had a big party it was Mm -hmm. a fun time it was um so carl tonsler now this is a story i had totally known i think most true crime people know this story because it's always like that weird quirky story that happens um luckily i'm not that target audience no i know it's great you're gonna love this i have no idea someone had messaged me and they're like are you gonna keep it so gr dad doesn't know the murders beforehand i'm like of course it's so easy it's like because i know all these stories and i don't you don't know them and your reactions are great and so this one you're gonna have a lot of reactions to especially like the very last part um so uh so anyway if you're a true crime fanatic you totally know the story of carl tonsler it's a very famous story but i had no memory that it actually happened in key west and so i was like oh i'm so excited that (laughs) i get to actually do this one on the podcast all right so we're gonna start with early life Carl carl tonsler born february 1877 whoa he's also sometimes known as Count Karl von Kossel. Well, there we go. Mm-hmm. He's a count, the count. Uh, he is a German board, quote, radiology technologist. Self taught, apparently. When was Madame Curie in the 1850s? Oh, my God. You can't ask me stuff like this live on the podcast because okay. I 100% should know and I don't. Um, it's early there, radiology. There were x rays and stuff at this, yeah. medical x rays and stuff. Yeah, at but this it's point. early stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Self-taught. Self-taught, it seems like. But he's a count, you know, so he's qualified to do anything. Hmm. He can definitely count. Ah, ah, (laughs) ah. (laughs) I think a German count is Goff, but anyway. All right, so he was born as Karl Tanzler with With, an umlaut. Oh, yeah, Tensler? Tensler. Oh, okay. You get to repronounce all this stuff. Does it mean anything? Is that a word? 
Tensa without the L would be dancer. So Tensla is probably maybe a diminutive for dancer, but I'm oh, but I haven't looked it up either. So Sometimes, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't I don't know if it means anything either. I just I was I didn't recognize it. Tensa was as close as I could get. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes also, Georg Karl Tensla. He was born in Dresden in 1877. Uh, in 1920, he married this woman, Doris Anna Schaefer, and they had two kids. We don't care, but they died of diphtheria. I care. Diphtheria is a whole different thing. Oh, my God, you guys. So diphtheria, if you don't know anything about it, you have to go listen to This Podcast Will Kill You, their episode on diphtheria, which was actually how I got into that podcast. I think it's called The Strangling Angel. The Strangling Angel is the name of their cocktail. So if you get diphtheria, you start getting this thing growing in the back of uh. your throat. And it's like like if you swallowed a fruit roll-up, like a slab of fruit roll-up, and then it kind of got stuck halfway down your throat, that's what it's like. It's called like the leather disease in some places. But it gets bigger. And it's, but and it's bigger. kind of like... When you get like a scat, like you fall as a kid and you like totally scrape your knee and then you start like getting the scab and it's like that weird kind of mushy white stuff on there before it scabs over. It's like that's, you can't peel it off, but it just grows on your throat and then it grows down your throat and into your mouth. And uh, I'm making a very pained expression right now. I know this, but it's bleh. Yeah, we listened to this episode together and then, you know, eventually it starts cutting off your airway and you start breathing like, no. and then you die. You can get vaccinated for this. So if you're a fucking idiot who hasn't had your vaccines, maybe you could have some experience with diphtheria, which will totally kill you. And your kids. And your kids. Like it killed his kids. Uh, it's really terrible. Yeah. And um, Balto. <laughs> the movie Balto yeah. about the sled dog. He's bringing diphtheria cure to a remote village in Alaska. So mm -hmm. diphtheria. Fascinating. Absolutely. Go listen to... This podcast will kill you. Their episode on diphtheria, I think, is my favorite one. Because it's like, I knew you got vaccinated for it. I had no idea what it was. And it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he had two kids. Um, well, not for very long. No, it says, so he had these two kids, Aisha and Clarista, who died of diphtheria. So I can't tell from the writing if they both did or just Clarista did. Hmm. Oh, no. Uh, Aisha lived until 1998, so she was fine. But Clarista died when she was 10 years old of diphtheria. Mm. Um, so anyway, he grew up in Germany. Um, and then he went to Australia. Dear Dad, where's the first place you went after you left Germany? Yeah, Australia. Yeah, you were four, though. Yeah. Uh, he was a grown-up, I guess. He went there. Um, it looks like maybe in the war. 1914? Yeah, the First World War. Um, why he was doing count stuff <laughs> there's a whole bunch of details about his time in Australia which is not relevant he to our story not, they weren't friends with the Australians in World War One. the Germans it was, he went there before the war the war oh, broke okay. out while he was there okay. kind of doing like I'm in the Pacific and I'm buying organs and boats or not, not human organs like oh. piano organs oh the musical <laughs> musical instrument yes i do had this terrible look on radiology face. organs no i know you're totally right um he was in australia for like 10 years okay and uh and then yeah um anyway we don't care about his australia time i just thought it was interesting because you also went to australia yeah yeah um though you were a kid so anyway in 1926 
He emigrates to the United States. So he sails from Rotterdam in 1926 to Havana. And then uh, from Cuba, he comes to Zephyrillus, Florida, which is in the mainland. And uh, I guess his sister lived there. And, uh, and then his family came and joined him. So his daughter, the one who died of diphtheria, was born in 1924. He immigrates in 1926. So the daughter's still alive. She lives to be 10. Um, so he ends up in Zephyrillus. Family joins him. He just ditches him in Zephyrillus and takes a job at the U.S. Marine Hospital in Key West under the name Carl von Kossel. So he drops the count from the name, but he uses Carl von Kossel as his name working for the U.S. Marine Hospital. So he has abandoned his family in Zephyrillus. His daughter's going to die eventually. Whatever. His name's Carl Tensler and he's Carl von Kossel. He's both Carl Tensler and Count Carl von Kossel. So I don't know. Do you get a fancy count name? Like yeah. Duke of the Earl? Area, the region. <laughs> Duke of, Ma- of Mountbatten. Or, yeah, that's Count fair. Carl von Kossel. Uh, so yeah, Carl Tonsler or Count Carl von Kossel. Okay. Um, so Carl von Kossel is the name he uses for his job that he takes in Key West. Hmm. Um, so this is his background, right? Real light background on him because that's not the interesting part. But I do want to throw what, in... What year are we in now? So 1927, okay. he takes this job in Key West. Um, but hmm. I, I want to throw in one early life story. Sure. Um, during his childhood in Germany... And then he also went to Genoa in Italy. He says that he was visited by visions of his dead ancestor, Countess Anna Constantina von Kossel. And she tells him she's going to show him the face of his true love and shows him an image of a dark-haired woman who he allegedly is going to fall in love with. So he says that this happened to him. And the the article says, an exotic, dark-haired woman, this is his true love, revealed to him in his childhood by the ghost of Countess Anna Constantina von Kossel. Just... Hmm. You, you go, Carl. Yep, yep. You, you go. Okay. So 1927 is when he moves in Key West. In Key West. Yeah. There's this... It's a Cuban family who's come okay. from Havana to Key West. Um, Key West is a big cigar manufacturing place there's still like the cigar factory you don't make cigars there anymore but like that big building on mallory square is still there where they used to do cigars they used to make Mm -hmm. tons of cigars in key west um and so the hoyos family um is a family of cigar makers so the the uh father francisco pancho hoyos born in 1883 and his wife they have like a they make cigars uh they have three daughters elena Cecilia and Florinda. Those are their three daughters. Okay. Um, So we don't care too much about all of them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Florinda, she also went by Nana. She got married and her husband was electrocuted trying to rescue a coworker who hit a power line with his crane at a construction site. This is completely irrelevant to our story. I was trying to skip that over. Local color. It's good. But there you go. Um, Okay. But we're interested in... Elena. She is the daughter. Um, so Elena Helen Milagro de Hoyos. Hmm. So I don't know what Hoyos means in Spanish. Milagro is miracle. Spell it. Hoyos, H-O-Y-O-S. Oh. Huevos, I know. It's actually Maria Elena Helen Milagro de Hoyos. Wow. Everything, we're just going to call her Elena. Um, so she was born in 1909. And uh, in 1926... 
When she's 17 years old, she gets married. Now, it's 1926, so 17 is a more normal age to get married back then. So she marries this guy, Luis. We're not going to talk about this asshole because she gets pregnant. She miscarries the child, and then he abandons her and moves to Miami and is never heard from again. So fuck that guy. Probably fell in the ocean, hopefully. Um, But they remain legally married. They don't get divorced um, because when she's 21... She is diagnosed with tuberculosis. There's also a great episode of this podcast will kill you about tuberculosis. Um, We're in the age of diseases here in the 1920s. In the tropics. All times before that. So she uh, is diagnosed with tuberculosis, which pretty much everybody dies from at that time because you can't treat it. And in fact, eventually all of her immediate family is also going to die of tuberculosis. Um, But she seems to be kind of the first one to come down with it. And so Tonsler, our dude, shows up. The Count. The Count. The Count's like, I'm going to take care of her. Now, he has just kind of made up that he knows how to treat tuberculosis. (laughs) It would be a major story if he'd cured it in I know. I know. We would know him much better then. Or we would know him for other things. Yes. I don't know him. Um, So he's like, I'll totally treat her. And he shows up and he's like, this is the exotic dark-haired woman that was revealed Ugh. to me by my ancestor, Countess Anna Constantina von Kossel, in my childhood. This is my true love. Now, he's already has ditched his family. I was going to say, ditched, like, he hasn't formally ditched them. He, he just, just left. He just left. He's like, cool, you guys live up here. I'm going down to Key West. Yeah. They are not with he's him. He's got two daughters at the time. One, both still yep, alive, they're both still alive. And yep. his wife. And his wife, up oh. in Zephyrillis. This is not And he's like, good. I'm out. Going to Key West. He's not a good man. No. And so he gets down there and he meets this 21-year-old with tuberculosis. And uh, he's like, oh, I, I am now in love with her. So he promises the family that he can treat her. He builds like an x-ray machine in their house where he's going to like x-ray the tuberculosis out of her. And, uh, and starts, you know, giving her all sorts of presents. He's buying her clothes and he's buying her jewelry and professing his love to her thinks that they're, you know, meant to be together. No evidence that she had any interest in this dude. Now, he's 53 Didn't at the time. Didn't we hear about this in the ghost tour at Key West? Maybe? This may have been in the ghost tour. Oh, this probably was in the ghost yeah. tour. Yeah. So, uh, so he's totally in love with her. She never shows him any love, as far as we can tell. And uh, she dies in 1931. <laughs> so his efforts to save her have failed. Uh <laughs> And but he's like now at this point it's been a couple years right yeah he's completely in love with her he convinces the family that he should pay with her funeral oh, yeah. he builds this big giant mausoleum for her in summary all right well you know let me tell the story to the people who are listening yeah 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 <laughs> builds this mausoleum uh, and for a couple years goes to visit the mausoleum every night to be next to her he sleeps there probably. It could could be that he sleeps there. Could be that he just sits there. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't. We've been to Key West Cemetery a bunch of times. Worse. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. Well, no worries because he gets tired of doing that shit. So in 1933, <laughs> he just takes the body out of the cemetery and brings it back to his house. They can hang out there. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> just not good. <laughs> now he sneaks in in the middle of the night with like a little toy wagon, like a radio flyer kind of wagon. Plunks the body in there, oh, get out wheels of here. it back to his house. Yep. Oh. 
Uh, he says that her spirit would come to him when we, he would sit by her grave and <sighs> he would serenade his corpse with a favorite Spanish song. He said that he would, she would often tell him to take her from the grave back to his house. This is according to Wikipedia, quoting some other article. So man, oh man. he's sitting I mean, there. There is a wide spectrum of weird in Key West. So probably everyone's like, there's some dude singing in the graveyard. It's fine. I mean, it's a normal kind of weird for Key West. S singing in the graveyard is probably very normal. Mm -hmm. Wheeling the body out in a wagon is its uh, on the far end. I would say criminal. <laughs> okay, so she's been dead for two years at this point. So she's <sighs> not in the best shape. And uh, you guys, so Key West, I mean, it's just like a island made out of rock, right? You can't bury anything underground there. I mean, it floods, there's hurricanes and stuff. So like in New Orleans, all the... Um, you know, everything is above ground. Yeah, so, so it's mausoleum. Mm -hmm. So it's not like she's been down in the cool earth, protected and sealed up. Like she's, she mummified. And the best circumstances, she mummified. I think this is what he hoped, but it was not true. So she's fallen apart. So he kind of wires her skeleton together, <sighs> like wires all the bones together. That's not good. Her flesh is falling off, so he just keeps stuffing her with rags in order to like keep her beautiful shape. And then, of course, her skin is rotting off, too. So he... I'm making a face now. <laughs> Starts oh. patching her skin up with, uh, like, silk and wax. and uh, He's making a monster. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then he dresses her up. And then, you know, she's got, As like, one this does. fancy dress. Sure. Well, and, that makes sense. and then, you know, <laughs> yeah. she gets to stay in his bed, in his house. And then he put lots of, like, perfume on her to mask the odor uh there's gonna be great pictures with this one here's a picture uh, of her corpse um yeah she's an exotic dark-haired beauty i mean he the the hair is a wig uh. but the wig is made out of her actual hair that her mother gifted to carl upon her death because i think they were so grateful for him trying to save her that they're like here we apparently got a bunch of her hair. You can have it as a present. And then he used that to make a gift for the corpse of hers that he mummified. Um, yeah. I mean, and talk about kept un in unrequited house. love. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Okay. So in addition to all of this, this picture is great. And this is a part of the story I didn't know. He had plans to fly her corpse into space on a spacecraft that he was going to build. Now, this is the 1930s, so there were not spacecrafts at the time, but he builds one, and he does this so radiation from outer space can penetrate her body and then restore her to her former beauty. He doesn't actually end up launching her into space, but I have an amazing picture of the space machine uh, that he built to launch her into space. So, yeah. Well, well, well. Okay, so that's 1933. He has... Ex exhumed her body from Key West Cemetery and brought it to her house and is like stuffed it stuffed it and is in it's sleeping in his bed with him every night um gross yeah so in 1940 seven years later uh her sister the sister of the corpse Hoyos's sister had rumors heard these rumors that he's sleeping with the body of the sister and so uh you know, she's like, all right, like, we got to do something about this. She confronts him. 
He denies it, but he gets discovered because he is caught dancing with her corpse in front of an open window. So she calls the cops and is like, dude's dancing with the corpse of my sister and he's got it in her house. Um, (sighs) So they arrest him. Uh, They do a psychological examination, but he is found competent to stand trial. By Key West standards. Yeah. Here's the problem, though. So he's charged with wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. Um, Doesn't go to trial because the statute of limitations has expired. He just kept her so long that they can't do anything about it. I I think even dancing with a corpse should be like a thing. Come on. I mean, maybe it is now, but it wasn't then. And so, you know, what's the natural thing to do when you find like a weird mummy that's been in a dude's house for seven years, you put it on public display well, so people can come and see, and that's what they did. They uh, the, oh. So the Key West authorities, they do like an autopsy, and then they just plunk that mummy thing out there for people to see. And collect money. I don't know if they collected money. Probably. They uh, sold t-shirts. Merch. <laughs> merch. 1930s corpse merch. <laughs> mummy merch. Uh, but the funeral home puts it out on display. Nice. It says uh, almost 7,000 people visited it and uh and then eventually it was returned to key west cemetery but not in the mausoleum it was buried in an unmarked grave so no one else will try to mess with her locked up um now he doesn't nothing happens, nothing to, happens him to him because well, the statute of limitations he loses expires. His true love puppet oh well we're not done yet oh um so this is 1940 1940 this has happened okay so uh so there's two I think we're going to go the way of autopsy results. Um, later, in the 1970s... In the 70s? Yeah, yeah. So people who attended the autopsy back in the 40s. Um, oh, okay. So of the doll, of the person. The person, yeah. Personal. So she was Sister. discovered in the 1940s. They did an autopsy then. Yeah. I think because they, I don't know, make sure that she wasn't murdered or yeah, yeah. something. Though She clearly had died of tuberculosis. He just wanted the body. Um, but there were people who had been at that autopsy in the 1940s and in the 1970s they came out and they said that there was a paper tube that had been put in where her vagina was so he could have sex with the corpse oh why though and like why paper i mean i guess you can take them in and out i don't want to even think about it (laughs) you didn't have access to rubber it was like you know india was cut off i don't know it's gross yeah so son of a gun I mean, it's always that, isn't it? You're sleeping with the body. It's always that. I mean, I don't think the dude was like a straight up necrophiliac in that. Like, um, he by was, definition, yes, he was. I know, but like not in that he's like super turned on by dead bodies in general, but just like he was so obsessed with her that like dead, I alive, dis- whatever. There is a dissertation. In the, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, this is terrible. Yeah. So, oh. so that's 1940 that her body is found. Uh, in 1944... He leaves Key West and he moves back up near Zephyrillus, where he had left his family all those years ago. Um, he wrote an autobiography. Hey, what's up? I lost my dead girlfriend. <laughs> you, you still around? Oh, no, no. He's still absolutely in love with the dead girlfriend. So his <laughs> wife, who he had abandoned, yeah. uh, still supports the dude until he dies. Like, she kind of takes care of him because <sighs> I don't know why. I wouldn't. If you were like, um, I have abandoned you and fallen in love with this girl who's younger who's than dead. my daughter. Oh, who's also dead. And now she's dead and I've been sleeping with her corpse for a decade. I'd be like, on your own, man. You're on your own. You're dead to me. 
Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, he did become a U.S. citizen in 1950. How did they let him? It, oh. No, not a crime. Well, he was not charged with anything. Because of limitations, man. Uh, so, yes, in 1950, he became a U.S. citizen, uh, supported by his I think necrophilia wife. is a crime. Well, so that's the thing. Like, I think in, the prosecutors, like, did not, were not interested in getting the guy. That, I mean, I think that's the thing, right? Because those reports of necrophilia didn't come out until the 70s. So probably, like, God, it's so scandalous anyway. Like, we don't need to talk about the paper tube that he put up in her bits. Um, yeah. Uh, but he does not get over. So when she died, he made a death mask of her. So essentially an imprint of her face. Who's letting him mess with the... Uh, oh, well, no, this, you know, is, this is before the whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Died. So this yeah, is yeah. like right when she died, he had made the, this death mask. And so he had kept that even though he couldn't keep the body. And he used it <laughs> to make a new life-sized effigy of her that he lived with until he died in 1952. Though some people said that he may actually have had the actual corpse that someone may have dug it up and given it to him, or he may have like found where they buried it and gone back and got it. And I had bet he did. The that guy's freaking there. nuts. I mean, I feel like from this story, I also sort of believe that he had the actual corpse with him. Um, some stories say that his body was discovered in the arms of this effigy slash maybe the real corpse. <laughs> Some say that he died behind one of his organs, and but his obituary says a metal cylinder on a shelf above a table in it wrapped in silken cloth and a robe was a waxen image. So basically, he's got the body of the chick, or at least an effigy of the body of the chick. Uh, in a metal cylinder. Up on a shelf, where clearly he would take that thing out and like... And if it's in a metal cylinder... You don't, you don't need to put a wax thing in a metal cylinder. It's fine. If you got a rotting body, maybe you do need to put it in a metal cylinder until like you're He's ready to deal with this. banging it. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, Ugh. And but, he, this is like he's up there with his family and banging the... Well, he's not living with the wife, right? They're still estranged. The wife's just supporting him. Financially supporting him. Girl, stop it. And uh, but there are like not just random internet rumors, but people have written that uh, he had the body switched. So he may have made this effigy, but had it switched with the real body at some point, and that that's what he died with. Mm. Uh, so there you go. That's, How did he die? Just age? Uh, yeah, he died in 1952. Tuberculosis? Huh. Wonder how he picked that up. Doesn't say what he died from. <sighs> so, um, when did he die? 1952. He was 70-something. Yeah, he was getting up there. He was born in 1877. This is really weird. So this is the dude. He's like this squinty, bald, round glasses, bow tie wearing German kind dude. Kind looks like a mad professor kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, totally. I mean, you look at him and you're like, yeah, I could see him stealing a body and living with it. So Or having some fanciful cure for TB or some, some I'll shoot you to the moon. Yeah. You guys, the pictures are going to be great this week. Ugh. So to get the pictures, you can follow us on Instagram, Murders in Paradise. So you say, you say you've read about this like at Ripley's. And so there's an episode. HBO has this show called Autopsy. They have an episode about this. Uh, I think there's a Forensic Files about it. There's like a bunch of true crime shows have stuff and about this And it was mentioned guy. on the ghost tour, but I don't think we saw anything like where the ghost was. That's right. It definitely was. I mean, you got to include this on a yeah, ghost tour. I, mean, I think we went past the funeral home. 
maybe. No. Um, yeah, that displayed it. That makes sense. Ghost tours are like the best way to see cities. Like walking we do them. ghost tours oh, are yeah. the best. We do them everywhere. You can and... do a driving ghost tour. It's pretty good, but walking is even better. Yeah. I think so. We did a really good driving one, like in hearses in Savannah, Georgia, which was cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we do walking ghost tours everywhere. New Orleans. We go. New Orleans was great. It's very haunted. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the New Orleans, I think, was the best one. Mm-hmm. We did a driving one in Las Vegas. That was really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Elvis is where Elvis was supposed to be haunting. Yeah. Do, Which is everywhere. Do ghost tours, man. Like, they're sort of cheesy, but you get, like, great history of the place. They all have a ton of history. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you might like, see ghosts. Interesting folk stories. We've never seen a ghost. Orbs, man. We've seen orbs. A lot of orbs. Um, but they're really fun. So uh, we do them even in places that we live. We're like, let's do the ghost tour here. So uh, anyway, there you go. That's the story of Carl Tonsler. You can find tons of stuff online, lots of pictures. So yeah, Instagram, Murders in Paradise, Twitter, Murders Paradise. I will be posting pictures like I do every week. Um, this one will have a picture of him, picture of the body, picture of the spaceship. <laughs> you can do air quotes with spaceship. Yeah, yeah it was aspirational. I can't believe he stuffed her. Oh, Ugh. Paper tube, man. It's just, it's the worst. <sighs> Why am I surprised? I shouldn't be. No. He's a dude. Yeah. Uh, You ready for a dog palate cleanser? Yeah. Okay. So uh, this story, San Francisco, it's not about a particular dog, um, but there's the San Francisco Dog Owners Group, SF Dog, and they had scheduled like this big cleanup where they were basically going to go to all these big parks in San Francisco and pick up the poop that people had left around by their dogs. Yeah. And uh, the city of San Francisco was like, no, no, no. Like you can only go to a p- couple parks and maybe you'd like to do some gardening instead. Because when we have volunteers, they do gardening and they're like, um, we're the dog owners group and we're going to pick up dog poop. And they're like, well, you know, it'd be better if you don't. And so they had to have this big fight with the city of San Francisco. Oh, no, don't pick up the dog poop. Yeah, don't pick weird. up the poop. Yeah. Uh, so this article from uh, Curb, San Francisco Curb, says, Through persistence, volunteers eventually convinced City Hall to unleash them citywide. <laughs> they had to promise to, quote, stop making a stink of their initial reluctance for the poop pickup. So the city is like, well, you know, we've got to have, like, park people, like, observing big volunteer groups. And so we try to constrain them. And eventually they were like, guys, come on, we're picking poop up. And they were like, okay, fine. You'll let us garden, but you won't let us pick up poop? Well, you have to garden in, like, the specific places and, like, have Uh. a park person watch you. So there's, like, a big bureaucracy around it. I think it was because – I think it's not that they would stop you if you were just, like, picking up poop in the park, but that they were – like, the owner's group or the dog owner's group had, like, flyers that were advertising this as, like, a volunteer thing. And the parks were like, you can't – you can't advertise this thing. And so bureaucracy got in the way, but then common sense prevailed. So poop got scooped. The poop, if it has not already been, will be scooped. Good job, so, volunteers. Good job, everybody. I'm glad that all worked out in a sane and reasonable <laughs> manner. <laughs> yeah, good work. Why Why so complicated? Yeah, well, you know, there's rules. It's lawyers, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah, your dad's a lawyer in case yeah. we haven't mentioned it on here. Reluctant. Yeah. What, what's your feeling about statute of limitations? Because I feel like I'm kind of against them. Systemically serves a good purpose, but boy, in every individual case, when it comes up, it seems super unfair. Yeah. I mean, I think like, and, and you know, other people have been having this conversation. In some places, it's changed. Like for sexual assault, there's statutes of limitations now. Like that seems like it shouldn't 
happen. Yeah. Especially like with DNA, right? Where it's like, I can say that this dude did this, but there may not be any evidence other than, you and know. There are some crimes. What they, they, what they always say, no statute of limitations for murder. I'm not a criminal defense attorney or a criminal prosecution attorney. But, you know, so I guess you can make crimes without statute of limitations. Mm-hmm. It's just a political choice. Yeah. You I think could some... say some things are so serious that, that you're forever, you should forever be worried about being prosecuted for it. Yeah, I don't think you need to, like, prosecute someone who, like, shoplifted when they were 21 if it's, like, 20 years ago. But, like, sexual assault seems like one of those things, especially when I can get, like, oh, you know, I was, whatever, raped in the 1980s. No one was going to believe me. Like, I was out at a club and I got raped and no one was going to believe me. But they took a rape kit and, like, now they can do a DNA test and have a hit and, like, have proof. Like, it feels like that's a thing that should be prosecutable. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a political choice of what's serious enough to not have a statute of limitations. No, no murder. Murder it doesn't have statute of limitations anywhere, right? I mean that's I don't I just know this from like you know Law and Order. I don't you know. <laughs> okay, we're the same then. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go with no statute of limitations. No statute of, there's no statute of limitations for murder, but apparently yeah. there is for stuffing your dead girlfriend and uh, stuffing your dead girlfriend. Yeah, if you can get away with stealing that corpse for whatever more than seven years. <laughs> You're in the clear, man. <laughs> Great. Be, don't don't dance with it in Just front of the don't window. Dance by the light of the moon, if you want to. <laughs> if you're in love with a dead woman uh, who was never into you in the first place. I know that's this is where it really. I was going that way, right? There's no consent. She's dead. Well, I mean, her ghost came to him in the cemetery and told him to bring her home. <laughs> I'm making a face. It is not valid in a court of law. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a fun one. That was a good one. And uh, disturbing. It's disturbing, but like at least all the bad stuff happened after she was dead, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not really traumatizing the person; you're just traumatizing the corpse. I mean, it's it's fucked up, and no one should do that. But it's way less messed up than a lot of the other stuff we have. The world were just place he would have died. Just place he would have died of tuberculosis a year after she did. Yeah, that would. That would have been good. Her whole family died, I guess, except for the one sister, so they couldn't even really do much to him. Not fair. So, no. Um, all right. Well, until next week, don't conk out. Bye. Bye.